If you've been looking for a comprehensive Bible school curriculum that explores redemptive realities in Jesus Christ grounded in the Word of God, look no further. The goal of this podcast is to spread the life-transforming Word of God throughout the world for the equipping of the saints to do the work of the ministry and to build up the body of Christ in what Jesus has accomplished for us through His death, burial, resurrection, and seating at the right hand of God the Father. There's such an untapped potential for Christians to enter into their glorious inheritance in Jesus Christ. Together we will discover what Jesus has done for us by providing such a great salvation and how to appropriate the promises of God in our lives. Jesus said in John chapter 8 verse 31, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples, and then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Each podcast season will cover one of the books that I have compiled over the years. You can find a complete listing of my Christian education material on my website at www.wordinspire.com. You're welcome to download these ebooks for free in PDF format for your own personal or ministry use. So let's explore these biblical truths and principles together that will absolutely transform our lives. God bless. Welcome to the Word of Life study series, Biblical Laws of Increase, Part 1. Our God is the God of blessing and increase, and He has given the earth to us to enjoy, develop, and utilize for His glory. He wants us to increase in all areas of our life, spirit, soul, and body. This also includes financially and materially. He wants us to have more so we can be a blessing and do more for His kingdom and to increase our own enjoyment level. We find in the scriptures that just because it is God's will does not mean that it just automatically happens. There are conditions of obedience and faith associated to working the principles of God's word. Psalms 115 verse 12. The Lord remembers us and will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear the Lord, small and great alike. May the Lord make you increase, both you and your children. May you be blessed by the Lord the maker of heaven and earth. The highest heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he has given to man. Revelation 11.18 The time has come for judging the dead and for rewarding your servants, the prophets, and your saints, and those who reverence your name, both small and great, and for destroying those who destroy the earth. There are reasons why people do not get saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, receive strength, and live a long life. But it's not a failure on God's part the integrity of the word. When we fail to receive, we need to ask God for wisdom and open the word to us. Let's ask the Lord to lead people into our lives in order to teach us and help us to learn more about the kingdom of God. The word of God works for us when we get excited about it. As a result, more revelation will be given to us. When the word is real to us, it will always excite us because it's life. God loves a cheerful or hilarious giver. When we get excited about giving, We know faith is present and God is pleased. That's victory. So many of God's children are hurting and struggling in the financial area. There are two main areas that the devil will harass Christians, healing and finances. If he can keep believers broke and sick, they can't do much for the kingdom of God. They don't feel like doing ministry and are unable to afford it. However, when we are healthy and have a full supply, we will travel and fulfill the Great Commission. Jesus went to a lot of trouble to make financial provision available for us. Even when we don't see it immediately, we are going to keep on obeying the word day after day, week after week, month after month, and year after year, until the increase is a reality in our lives and we have the resources to minister to others as we should. Health and prosperity is a strong witness to the world. You can't tell me that people are not interested in a God who will keep them healthy and wealthy. 
Sure, there are those Christians who give us a hard time about us embracing the full message of this new life. They call it the name it and claim it and frame it bunch or the blab it and grab it folks. Oh, you preach prosperity gospel, that health and wealth gospel. Well, what kind of gospel do you want? The word gospel means good news. Healing and prosperity is certainly is good news. Luke 4.18 The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus was anointed to preach the gospel or good news to the poor, prisoners, and the sick. The good news for them is that you don't have to be poor, bound, or sick anymore. That is the gospel Jesus preached, and it should be the same one that we preach. We have a good God that wants to bring increase into our life. Because we understand that salvation is more than just forgiveness of sins. It encompasses our entire being, spirit, soul, and body, finances, health, you name it. The law of honoring God. The key to exercising faith for finances is to sow seed according to 2 Corinthians 9.6 and Luke 6.38. If a person will just obey the Bible, they will reap many wonderful results. Spiritual laws, like natural laws, always work the same for whomever works them, no matter who the person is. Just as gravity works the same for each person, so does spiritual laws in the Bible. Like the concept of cause and effect, when we act on the word of faith, the results are forthcoming. Therefore, we have a part to play in our prosperity. It's not all up to God. It's not what we know alone that sets us free, but what we know and put into practice that makes us free. Likewise, when we go to church, it's not about going through the motions, but to get something accomplished, to see God move and have his way, not to just come and hear something nice. We should be challenged to change, put the word into practice. To do something means to increase something, or decrease something, or stop something, or start something. If we do nothing, then we are not doers of the word. As a result, there will be no improvement in our lives. I want to encourage you to not let an offering bucket go by without putting something in it. Live to give. Obeying the voice of God in giving also translates over into other areas of life and ministry. Obedience to God translates in the Lord using us in all forms of service and ministry. Proverbs 3.9 Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the firstfruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. As New Covenant believers, we are to honor God with all that we have, and keep it on tap to give it away when the Lord asks for it. Put God's kingdom first, so his things are taken care of. Then he will surely take good care of us and our things. We have to put his work before our work. The New Testament equivalent to Proverbs 3.9 is Matthew 6.33. Jesus said, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So many of us know and quote Matthew 6.33, but do we truly live it? Other things are on our mind and are a priority. As a result, we are violating the first law of increase. God is first. Our greatest challenge in this area will be dealing with our own selfishness. When we put God's things first, he will take care of ours. Many things under the Old Testament were written down for our admonition as types and shadows. The practice of tithing was instituted as an Old Covenant ordinance. So what kind of type? would it be for us living under the new covenant? Another word used many times in conjunction with the concept of tithing was first fruits. Exodus 23:19. Bring the best of the first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord your God. Deuteronomy 14:22. Be sure to set aside a tenth of all that your fields produce each year. Deuteronomy 26:2. Take some of the first fruits of all that you produce from the soil of the land the Lord your God has given you and put them in a basket. Then go to the place the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for his name. Leviticus 23.10 and verse 14. Speak to the Israelites and say to them, When you enter the land I am going to give you, and you reap its harvest, bring to the priest a sheaf of the first grain you harvest. You must not eat any of the bread or roasted or new grain until the very day you bring this offering to your God. This is to be a lasting ordinance for the generations to come, 
wherever you live. Leviticus 27.30 A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. What is the essence of these scriptures saying? They address the need of putting God first and honoring Him with your possessions by giving Him the first things that come in. When we honor God with what we have, it is for His exclusive use. When something is holy unto the Lord, it is for His purpose and not something secular. In speaking to the Levitical priesthood, Numbers 18 verse 12 states, I give you all the finest olive oil and all the finest new wine and grain they give the Lord as the first fruits of their harvest. All the land's first fruits that they bring to the Lord will be yours. Everyone in your household who is ceremony clean may eat it. Everything in Israel that is devoted to the Lord is yours. Now the Pharisees tithed to the extreme, even the herbs in their gardens. However, they missed the spirit of the law of honoring God with their whole life and not just their possessions. Luke 11.42, Jesus said, Woe to you Pharisees, because you give God a tenth of your mint, rue, and all other kinds of garden herbs, but you neglect justice and the love of God. You should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. Jesus pointed out that his covenant people, old and new, belong to God and what we have is his. In addition to that, there is an expectation to support his kingdom and program in the earth under the old covenant and the new covenant. Under the old covenant, the Levitical priesthood was supported by the children of Israel by bringing in tithes and offerings. What about the new covenant? There is no Levitical priesthood or sovereign nation to support like Israel. However, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is a global enterprise of God and requires our support, time, prayer, and finances. That includes the local church, missions, and any other ministry that fulfills the Great Commission. Matthew twenty-two seventeen. Tell us then, what is your opinion? Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Then Jesus, knowing their evil intent, said, You hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? Show me the coin used for paying the tax. They brought him a denarius, and he asked them, Whose portrait is this? And whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Then he said to them, Give to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. The Jews were taught for centuries that the tithe, the best of the first of the crop, belonged to the Lord. The tithe in the Bible does not just mean 10%, but refers to the first fruits and the best. When the Lord said to honor him with our substance, there is a principle that he will in turn honor us, as it's written in 1 Samuel 2.30, Those who honor me, I will honor. There is a connection between the word honor and financial and material giving. The word does not just mean respect or reverence. It also carries with it a material giving component. 1 Samuel 2.30 Therefore the Lord, the God of Israel, declares, I promise that your house and your father's house would minister before me forever. But now the Lord declares, Far be it from me, those who honor me I will honor, but those who despise me will be disdained. How we regard, esteem, appreciate, and honor the things of God is very important. We need to get our minds renewed in order to understand what God considers important, to know His will and honor it by doing it as a first priority. Did you know when the Bible refers to the term despise? It doesn't just mean to detest, hate, or loathe something. In the Bible, there's a much broader meaning, like when we fail to see the importance of a thing. When we hear a biblical truth, and just yawn, and just treat it as common. We are in reality despising it. A failure to honor what God says is important to him is despising a thing. A perfect example of this is Esau, and how he despised his birthright and sold it for a bowl of lentil stew. He did not curse his birthright, but he just flippantly disregarded it as something not valuable and inconsequential, enough to trade it for a meal. Apparently, his appetite for something to eat was more important, and the Bible declares that he despised his birthright. The Bible calls Esau godless for what he did in Hebrews 12.16, all because he did not respect or esteem it. It's very important that we understand this concept so that we don't become guilty of treating the things of God as commonplace. To God, despising something is simply a failure to value, respect, and esteem what he sees as significant. So we need constant mind renewal in order for us to see what God sees as important and treat his things with honor and dignity. 
Genesis 25 verse 29. Once when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open field, famished. He said to Jacob, Quick, let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. That is why he was also called Edom. Jacob replied, First, sell me your birthright. Look, I'm about to die, Esau said. What good is the birthright to me? But Jacob said, Swear to me first. So he swore on oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. He ate and drank, then he got up and left. So Esau despised his birthright. Hebrews 12.16 Or is godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son? Afterward, as you know, when he wanted to inherit this blessing, he was rejected. He could bring about no change of mind, though he sought the blessing with tears. The word honor in the Hebrew means heavy or weighty, inferring something of value. Back in Bible times, they did not have paper money. Rather, their currency was precious metals like gold, silver, and copper. They used a scale to measure the amount of a precious metal by its weight in order to determine its worth. So when it comes to esteeming and appreciating the things of God, we need to value them greatly, and this translates into honoring God. If we give God anything but our best, we are despising Him. Consider the account in Malachi. The Israelites were being cheap with God by bringing the sick, lamed, and worthless animals to the temple of God for sacrifice. In other words, these were animals they did not want anyway. They might as well have brought roadkill to the Lord. That is how grievous and contemptible it was. Then they had the audacity to say, Lord, please be gracious to us. Malachi chapter 1 verse 6. A son honors his father and a servant his master. If I am a father, where is the honor due me? If I am a master, where is the respect due me, says the Lord Almighty? It is you, O priests, who show contempt for my name. But you ask, how have we shown contempt for your name? You place defiled food on my altar. But you ask, how have we defiled you? By saying that the Lord's table is contemptible. When you bring blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice crippled or diseased animals, is that not wrong? Try offering them to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you, says the Lord Almighty? Now implore God to be gracious to us. With such offerings from your hands, will he accept you, says the Lord Almighty? Oh, that one of you would shut the temple doors so that you would not light useless fires on my altar. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord Almighty, and I will accept no offering from your hands. My name will be great among the nations, from the rising to the setting of the sun. In every place, incense and pure offerings will be brought to my name, because my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord Almighty. But you profane it by saying of the Lord's table, It is defiled, and of its food, it's contemptible. And you say, what a burden, and you sniff at it contemptuously, says the Lord Almighty. When you bring injured, crippled, or diseased animals and offer them as sacrifices, should I accept them from your hands, says the Lord? Cursed is the cheat who has an acceptable male in his flock and vows to give it, but then sacrifices a blemished animal to the Lord. For I am a great king, says the Lord Almighty, and my name is to be feared among the nations. Honoring the local church. A modern application of this would be if a Christian was taking an old beat-up piece of furniture to the city dump, but then halfway there decides to dump it on his or her pastor instead. That is a contemptible offering and dishonors God by dishonoring his servant. You can also read other passages in Romans 13 verse 7 through 10, 1 Timothy 5 verse 17 and 18, Luke 10 7, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 12 and 13, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7 through 14, Galatians 6, verse 6 and 7, Hebrews 13, 7 and verse 17, Acts 23, verse 3 through 5, Paul honored the office of the high priest. A fundamental key to prosperity is taking care of our pastor financially. Churches that muzzle God's servant never prosper. Spiritual blessings are withheld from them because they're in violation of God's word. The local church sow seed just as individual church members sow seed. The Lord does not accept all offerings, and neither should we if they are not right. Like someone trying to buy, influence, or direct the local church like a lobbyist in Washington with their money. If God is our source, 
then we don't have to resort to anything scrupulous. If someone in a healing line gets instantly healed and they want to write the minister a check, we shouldn't accept that. We can't buy the blessings of God. Only through the blood of Jesus are we saved, healed, and delivered. A free gift by grace through faith. But we can honor God with our substance, but never to buy something from God. We can't buy our healing or forgiveness. There's only one price that can be paid, and it was already done 2,000 years ago by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 1.18 For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. In Malachi 1.11, a reference is made to pure offerings. A pure offering is done from a right heart, in faith and in love. It is giving our best to God in order to honor Him, not giving Him the junk, but the first of what we have. And it is not the amount, but the heart of faith in love. Consider the poor widow who threw in a few small copper coins in Mark chapter 12, verse 42. God does not look at the amount, but the percentage. Jesus is still watching what people put in the offering buckets today. Mark 12, verse 41. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins, worth only a fraction of a penny. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has put in more into the treasury than all the others. They gave out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty, put in everything and all that she had to live on. Second Corinthians 8.11 Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it, according to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable, according to what one has, not according to what he does not have. In Acts chapter 10, we see a Gentile honoring God by taking care of the poor and seeking God. Well, if we honor God, he will honor us, and he is no respecter of persons either. The angel called Cornelius' actions a memorial offering before God. Remember, to honor something means to see the value of it, and in so doing, we are esteeming it. Acts chapter 10 verse 1. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Until people see the value of the local church, world missions, and humanity in general, and see it through God's eyes, they will not honor it. This is where having a revelation from God is so necessary. 2 Corinthians 5.14 For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. If we approach giving to the Lord and his work like paying a bill or meeting some other obligation, we will not be blessed in our giving. We are despising his offerings by not esteeming them. In which case, don't even bother giving until a heart check is made to give willingly and with joy and faith. If the expectation in the Old Covenant was to bring in 10% of their increase, how much more should we be giving over and above that amount under the New Covenant? Under a new covenant of grace, a greater ability is granted us to exceed far above the old covenant type of 10%. If one gives less than 10% and claims to be led by the Holy Spirit, they are living far below their new covenant potential. Are we to pay more to the government than we do to the work of God? The whole idea is to give more under the new covenant and not less than the old covenant 10% tithe. So if we are to follow the Old Testament type, of tithing under the new covenant, we should be giving the first amount right off the top that we receive and give it to God 
and for his work before we look at anything else with that money. If our giving is an afterthought, as whatever is left over, the scraps in other words, that is not honoring the Lord with our first and our best. Since increase includes anything we received, not just money, it also includes any material thing. So our response should be to give more into God's kingdom as an expression of thanks, and thus keep the flow of sowing engaged. When we give, it should be with the right heart, in faith, and an expression of gratitude that God is our source and everything good comes from Him. Giving in this joyful and thankful manner will be blessed by the Lord Jesus. But just giving out of ritual and obligation, just operating in the sheer mechanics of it, without the Holy Spirit and without faith, will not please the Lord, no matter how big that check is. When we put others and the work of God ahead of our own interests and what we want for ourselves, that honors the Lord. Notice that Abel's offering was accepted because it was the right offering, a blood sacrifice. Cain may have presented a more expensive offering, but it was rejected because it was done not in obedience. It is inferred that God had commanded them both to bring a blood sacrifice. Abel obeyed and Cain did not. Abel was accepted and Cain was not. So ultimately, what made the sacrifice pleasing to God was obedience. It's giving what God has asked us to give for the occasion and not presumptuously doing our own thing. This principle transcends time and applies to us today. When the Spirit of God prompts us to give, we need to give exactly what He asks, and when He asks for it, and without delay. Do it as an act of worship and love, and never out of ritual or obligation. Genesis 4.2 Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Hebrews 11.4 By faith Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith he was commended as a righteous man, but God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith he still speaks, even though he is dead. Isaiah 1.19 If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the best from the land. But if you resist and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. What God is primarily after is our heart, loyalty, obedience, and devotion. Giving is one of the best ways to demonstrate this. It's not the amount, but the response and faith and love to honor God with all that we have, because everything we have comes from Him in the first place. Besides, his people need what we have, and vice versa. John fifteen five. Jesus said, I am the vine, and you are the branches. If a man remains in me, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Acts seventeen twenty eight. For in him we live, and move, and have our being. Deuteronomy thirty nineteen. This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you, that I have set before you life and death blessings, and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice, and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life, and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You see, God is after our heart, and if we are not giving him our best, our own heart will condemn us. It will affect every area of our life. It's all about a dedicated and consecrated life unto the Lord. 1 John 3.19 This then is how we know that we belong to the truth, and how we set our hearts at rest in His presence. Whenever our hearts condemn us, for God is greater than our hearts, and He knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from Him anything we ask, because we obey His commands and do what pleases Him. And this is His command to believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. Those who obey his commands live in him, and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the Holy Spirit he gave us. Sure, there are crooked folks who would extort finances from believers and prophesy money out of their pockets and into theirs, misusing legitimate scriptures for selfish gain. And they give the prosperity message a bad name, even to the point 
where they become stumbling blocks to believers and hinder them from legitimately giving and deny them the blessings of God. That is of the devil, my friends. But that is true about anything good from God. The devil tries to pervert it. That is why it is so important to be led by the Holy Spirit as to whom we sow our finances. Because if someone has false motives and is a crook, the Holy Spirit will warn us if we're listening. That is why we should not give mechanically and methodically. We need to pray about these things and check those ministers and or individuals out and not just once. People in ministries can start out right, but then go wrong later on and not produce. They are human. If we would be as conscientious and coherent about spiritual things as we are about natural things, we could avoid a lot of pitfalls. We can make bad investments spiritually just as we can naturally and sow into ground that is not producing or is not right. Elijah went to a poor widow woman and asked her to first feed him before themselves. Now this woman had to make a choice because in the natural, this was literally her last meal. Yet God through Elijah asked for it why? So he could multiply it back and bless them. 1 Kings chapter 17 verse 8 Then the word of the Lord came to him, Go at once to Zarephath of Sidon, and stay there. I have commanded a widow in that place to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked her, Would you give me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, And bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. I am gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, Don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. But first make me a small cake of bread for me, from what you have, and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. The jar of flour will not be used up, and the jug of oil will not run dry, until the day the Lord gives rain on the land. So she went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up, and the jug of oil did not run dry, in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. Now the Lord led Elijah to this particular widow woman who was not even an Israelite because he needed someone to demonstrate faith in order for God's grace to produce a miracle. This woman put God first and that is what the Lord is looking for. The Lord does not need it personally, but his covenant children need it. And he takes it personally when they go without. Luke 4.25 Jesus said, I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. Here's another example of putting God first when we receive. Remember the first city that Joshua and the children of Israel came across in the promised land? It was Jericho. They marched around that city as the Lord instructed them, and the walls fell down supernaturally. But do you remember what the Lord instructed them to do concerning that city? As the first city that God had given them in the land of Canaan, he declared that city was devoted to him, the firstfruits. All the spoils belonged to the Lord, and no one was to touch any of it. Remember in Achan, when he saw some gold and clothes, he took it and hid it under his tent? As a result, they were defeated in the city called Ai in battle, and they inquired of the Lord, and it was revealed that someone stole some of the devoted things. Joshua 7.1 But the Israelites acted unfaithfully in regard to the devoted things. Achan, son of Carmi, the son of Zimri, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took some of them, so the Lord's anger burned against Israel. When the people are disobedient and deceitful to the Lord concerning material things, it is a sin. The issue is not that God does not want us to prosper and have things. He wants us to put him first in everything. All the other cities that the Israelites conquered after that They were permitted to receive all of it, but Jericho was branded into their minds as a reminder of the principle of firstfruits, being devoted and holy to the Lord, so don't touch it. Acts 5 verse 1 Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. 
With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself and brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said to Ananias, How is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept back for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied to men, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. A great fear seized all who heard that had happened. Then the young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, Tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that is the price. Peter said to her, How could you agree to test the Spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young men came in, and finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. The whole theme of the book of Haggai is equivalent to Matthew 6.33, the priority of putting God first and to honor Him. The people who were referenced in the book of Haggai were quick to make for themselves comfortable dwellings at the expense of neglecting the reconstruction of the temple. As a result, they were reaping what they were sowing and experienced lack. So the Lord challenged them to consider their ways, to consider the win-win scenario of putting God first so that He could bless them. The harder the people worked to do their own thing, the harder it will be for them to get ahead. We have all been guilty of that mentality. Well, I just don't have anything to spare right now, but one of these days, but not when we violate the first law of increase by putting ourselves first. For example, people can say, as soon as I get my car paid off, as soon as this bill is paid, as soon as I can get that, then I will give to the Lord's work. That statement is quite revealing as to who is really first in their life, but it's not the Lord. Oftentimes, we have it all backwards. So let's read Haggai chapter 1 verse 2. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say, The time has not yet come for the Lord's house to be built. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains in ruin? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but have harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but you never have your full. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages, only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build the house, so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty, because of my house, which remains in ruin. While each of you is busy with his own house, therefore because of you, the heavens have been withheld their dew, and the earth is crops. I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains, on the grain, the new wine, the oil, and whatever the ground produces, on men and cattle, and on the labor of your hands. So we need to start where we are at and put God first and build from there as the laws of increase work on our behalf. What we need to do is look at our spending and always judge it in light of how it will affect our giving. If our giving to the Lord would become diminished, then we need to believe that thing in and keep giving to the Lord. Many of us instead will acquire debt and then create obligations that squeeze out our giving. That is dangerous because it will affect our future harvests. The result will be an ever-diminishing return. We have to be more interested in giving than in getting what we want. We work so we can have seed to sow and live on the increase, not just to spend what we earn. Notice that the Lord told the children of Israel that from the day they started to honor God and to put Him first, the Lord began to bless them. Interestingly, that the Lord was driving a point home for them to give careful thought to the fact that they put themselves first. They suffered lack and poverty, but when they honored the Lord and put Him first, they started to become blessed once again. Praise the Lord, we can count on His word. 
So instead of using our faith solely for the strict purpose to acquire things, we must learn to use our faith in order to give more and propel God's kingdom in the earth. I am believing God to double my giving in the next six months. This will set in motion a wonderful cycle of abundant harvest that we can live on for a long time. Haggai chapter 2 verse 15. Now give careful thought to this from this day on. Consider how things were before one stone was laid on another in the Lord's temple. When anyone came to a heap of twenty measures, there were only ten. When anyone went to a wine vat to draw fifty measures, there was only twenty. I struck all the work of your hands with blight, mildew, and hail, yet you did not turn to me, declares the Lord. From this day on, from this twenty-fourth day of the ninth month, give careful thought to the day when the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid. Give careful thought. Is there yet any seed left in the barn? Until now the wine and the fig tree, the pomegranate and the olive tree have not borne fruit. From this day on, I will bless you. Now for the new covenant believer, I am not fussing about tithing. I believe that it is a good place to start. For every believer, the laws of increase, when obeyed, can get us to a place over time where we can give 90% and live off 10%, while enjoying a greater standard of living. I believe that this is the model for the new covenant, grace of giving by the Holy Spirit. We can live pretty good on 10% of 20 million, can't we? We can't outgive God. People who fuss about not having to give 10% do so because they don't want to even give that amount. However, these same people cannot escape the laws of sowing and reaping. 2 Corinthians 9.6 Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Regardless, the principle of honoring God, obeying Him with our life, and putting Him first with all that we have transcends dispensations. It is an eternal law. When we do that, the Bible declares that He will honor us and bless us beyond measure because that is His intention to begin with. But He cannot bless stingy, greedy, selfish, and materialistic children who do their own thing with their life and resources. Let's get God's vision for increase. Blessed to be a blessing for His glory. Acts 20 verse 33. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied all my needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words the Lord Jesus Christ himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. How to honor God. It is important for us to know that we are always on the Lord's mind and that his abiding presence is meant to be a continual comfort for us to enjoy. With that being said, let us also take note that the Lord is called El Shaddai, the God who is more than enough, not El Chipo, or the God that lets us barely get by. The Bible talks a lot about money and finances. Sad that so many are embarrassed and feel uncomfortable about that subject because of wrong thinking. We have been talking about the biblical use of honor in regards to blessing others financially. Now we're going to look at the practical application of this principle. It is impossible to say that we honor God and not be actively giving generously into his works on the earth. Psalms 115 verse 12. The Lord remembers us and will bless us. He'll bless the house of Israel. He'll bless the house of Aaron. He'll bless those who fear the Lord, small and great alike. May the Lord make you increase both you and your children. May you be blessed by the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. The highest heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he has given to mankind. When we cooperate with the spiritual laws of giving and receiving, we will prosper. If we don't, then we will suffer lack. Remember that spiritual laws, like natural laws, work indiscriminately for those who follow or violate them. The results are the same for everybody all the time. To be quite frank, our prospering is more up to us than to God. Some are just waiting on God. Well, if it's God's will for me to prosper, then he will. He knows what I need. It's just up to him. I guess it's not just his will for me to prosper and have much. Well, God is waiting on these individuals to mix his word with their faith. If we do not give in faith and with joy, it does not please God, nor is it acceptable to him. 
We might as well not give if we don't give in faith and joy. Deuteronomy chapter 26 verse 1 through 11, when it comes to giving offerings unto the Lord, we bring it to him with confession of faith and thanksgiving and declare the covenant promises with rejoicing, acknowledging that all we have came from him, so we gladly honor him with all that we have. Let us not forget where he brought us out from. So when we honor God with our increase, to whom do we give it to? We honor God by providing for and blessing his work in the earth, which includes the local church, outreach ministries, and missions. First and foremost, we need to support the local church where we are fed and ministered to on a regular basis. Malachi chapter 3 verse 8. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you ask, how did we rob you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you have not enough room for it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines of your fields will not cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. So we are to honor God by honoring the local church. You see, under the old covenant, the tithe came in in the form of produce or food to feed the Levitical priesthood. The whole purpose of the tithe was for the Israelites to support the priests and the Levites in their ministries, so they could devote their time and energy to the Lord's work, and the people would house and feed them. The tithe was always in the form of crops or livestock. If someone wanted to pay money, they had to add a fifth to the amount. This instruction of adding a fifth to the amount for monetary gifts supports the principle of tithing as a means of meeting the basic needs of the Lord's ministers. Leviticus 27.30 A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. If a man redeems any of his tithe, he must add a fifth of the value to it. The entire tithe of the herd and flock, every tenth animal that passes under the shepherd's rod, will be holy to the Lord. He must not pick out the good from the bad or make any substitution. If he does make a substitution, both the animal and its substitute become holy and cannot be redeemed. These are the commands the Lord gave Moses on Mount Sinai for the Israelites. Therefore, the principles that we learn from the tithe under the Old Covenant as a type for the New Covenant is for us to give and support those who have dedicated themselves to full-time ministry, to bless them so they are never in want of anything, well taken care of. We see to it that the church's needs and bills are paid for and is well supplied to do the work of the ministry. When we do this, we are honoring God and His work by taking care of His full-time ministry gifts. 1 Corinthians 9.3 This is my defense to those who are sitting on judgment on me. Don't we have the right to food and drink? Don't we have the right to take a believing wife along with us, as do the other apostles and the Lord's brothers and Cephas? Or is it only I and Barnabas who must work for a living? The Apostle Paul taught about the rights of those called to full-time ministry. When spiritual investments are made, people ought to respond materially. If we work a job, we expect to get a paycheck. How much more should those who devote themselves to full-time ministry expect a paycheck to meet their needs and the needs of their family? This is how we honor God and support His work. 1 Corinthians 9.7 Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard and does not eat of its grapes? Who tends a flock and does not drink of the milk? Do I say this merely from a human point of view? Doesn't the law say the same thing? For it is written in the law of Moses, Do not muzzle the ox while it is treading out the grain. Is it about oxen that God is concerned? Surely he says this for us, doesn't he? Yes, this was written for us, because when the plowman plows and the thresher threshers, they ought to do so in the hope of sharing in the harvest. If we have sown spiritual seed among you, is it too much if we reap a material harvest from you? If others have this right of support from you, shouldn't we have it all the more? As a matter of fact, the Lord through the Apostle Paul has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. If we withhold from doing so, that does not honor the Lord. It is actually disobeying a clear command in Scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 12. 
but we did not use this right. On the contrary, we put up with anything rather than to hinder the gospel of Christ. Don't you know that those who work in the temple get their food from the temple, and those who serve at the altar share in what is offered on the altar? In the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. Yet Paul, in his passion to win the lost, was willing to forfeit his right to receive material support from those he ministered to in order not to hinder the cause of Christ. He was willing to trust God as his source and minister the gospel without receiving financial support from the Corinthians in order to win as many people as possible. However, the Lord was faithful to meet Paul's needs through other avenues. 1 Corinthians 9.15 But I have not used any of these rights, and I am not writing this in the hope that you will do such things for me. I would rather die than to have anyone deprive me of this boast. Yet when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast, for I am compelled to preach. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. If I preach voluntarily, I have a reward. If not voluntarily, I am simply discharging the trust committed to me. What then is my reward? Just this, that in preaching the gospel, I may offer it free of charge, and so not make use of my rights in preaching it. Though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone, to win as many as possible. So our attitude should be, if the pastor needs something, he's got it. And if the minister or the missionary needs something, they've got it too. People don't realize how much they are hurting themselves by being so stingy and selfish. If they would just bless God's work and people, it would come back to them multiplied over. When people get stingy and say, Lord, keep our pastor humble and we'll keep him poor, it's just wrong on so many levels. They have no problem in blessing their own children with nice and expensive things, but when the pastor does the same for his kids, folks get all bent out of shape and say, Look how he's using the Lord's money. Shouldn't he be a better steward with God's money than that? Certainly ministers should be mindful of what they receive and how they use it. Nor should they be motivated by greed and extort or exploit people. But if someone buys them an expensive car, that's great. If someone is led to pay for the pastor's kids to go to college, well, praise the Lord. We should be rejoicing with them. When we honor God's ministers, we are honoring the Lord. If we give freely because we love God and take care of his people, we are doing it unto him. Matthew 25, 40. The king will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you do for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did it for me. Hebrews 6, 10. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. Hebrews 13, 16. And do not forget to do good and to share with others. For with such sacrifices God is pleased. Galatians 6.10 Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. I have heard people who were trying to be humble not allow others to minister and bless them with something. Most of these folks are sincere, but it is actually pride and selfishness by cutting off an opportunity for others to sow and be blessed themselves. If we allow others to bless us, the Lord will bless them. The people who are hurting the most financially are the ones who need to sow the most. So if someone is in financial difficulties and they give you a crumpled up $5 bill, don't give it back to them. Let the Lord bless them by you gratefully receiving that $5 bill and by allowing them to sow seed for their future harvest. Ministry in third world nations particularly need to learn about the prosperity message in addition to our charitable gifts. They need to learn how to sow and reap. It's just ignorance that people don't understand this. We can give them a fish and feed them for a day, but it's better to teach them how to fish and so feed themselves and their families for a lifetime. The word works no matter where people are in the world. It's up to us, not God. The Lord is waiting on us. Another way that we honor God is by providing for and honoring our elders. That would be our natural parents and our spiritual ones too. Here's a big reason why we should want to prosper, so we can do something for our folks and for those who have made significant deposits in our lives naturally and spiritually speaking. Let's not forget them. It's not just a good thing to do. It's a requirement if we are going to live long and prosper. When we honor people, we value their input in our lives. This is a big key to our prosperity. 
if we do this or not. Deuteronomy 5.16 Honor your father and mother. Remember, this is a commandment of the Lord your God. If you do so, you will have a long, prosperous life in the land he has given you. Ephesians 6.1 Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. 1 Corinthians 4.15 Even though I have 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. We need to realize that many times when the Bible talks about honor, it's actually talking about giving. So when the Lord says to honor your parents, it's not just with respect, but also financially. Jesus rebuked the Pharisees because they made a rule that undermined the word of God and let people off the hook from honoring their parents and providing for them financially. Back in Bible times, they did not have social security and folks depended upon their children and grandchildren to take care of them when they became old. When people take care of us for all those years, it is only right to take care of them when they are in their later years. Here's another reason or motive to prosper so we can have something to bless mom and dad with. We can give our way to a place of increase, not working more, borrowing or begging for it. Mark 7 verse 10. For Moses said, Honor your father and your mother, Jesus said, and anyone who curses his father or mother must be put to death. But you say that if a man says to his father or mother, whatever help you might otherwise have received from me is korban, that is, a gift devoted to God, then you no longer let him do anything for his father or mother. Thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and you do many things like that. 1 Timothy 5.8 If anyone does not provide for his relatives, especially for his immediate family, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Now another way we can honor God is by honoring our instructors. I want to encourage you not to forget those people who have helped you in life, both naturally and spiritually. As the Lord blesses you as a result of their input in your life, be sure to return the favor and bless them. That honors God. Notice 1 Timothy 5.17. The word honor here in this context is talking about finances. Those who work hard in the ministry should be well paid. When people are benefited by other ministries and they muzzle them from receiving anything, that is not right. 1 Timothy 5.17 The elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, Do not muzzle the ox while it is treading out the grain, and the worker deserves his wages. 1 Timothy 5.17 in the TLB translation, Pastors who do their work well should be paid well and should be highly appreciated, especially those who work hard at both preaching and teaching. An important point I need to make here, whatever spiritual material position the minister is in, the people under him will also be at that same level. If the leaders are wicked, so are the people. But if they are blessed, so are the people. So it behooves the folks to take good care of their leaders that God has set over them, because it will come back on them. The condition of the people will be a reflection of the condition of their leaders over them. It's no wonder that the devil has created such a fuss about ministers having anything, because he knows that is the key to crippling the finances of the whole church. For people to say, Lord, you keep our pastor humble and we'll keep him poor, are shooting themselves in the foot, so to speak. Hosea 4.9 And it will be, like people, like priests, I will punish both of them for their ways and repay them for their deeds. Luke 6.40 Jesus said, A student is not above his teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher. When we honor something that is important to us, like our wedding ring, for instance, we treat it in a certain way. We handle it with care and protect it from harm. That is how we need to be toward our pastors and spiritual leaders. Don't take them for granted. For we reveal how we honor a certain thing by how we treat it. Galatians 6.6 6. Anyone who receives instruction in the word must share all good things with his instructor. There is a biblical principle that we are to minister natural things to those who minister to us spiritual things. Romans 15.27 
they were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have shared in the Jews' spiritual blessings, they owe it to the Jews to share with them their material blessings. Notice that the Lord honored the Shumamite woman for what she did for his prophet Elisha. One day the Lord spoke to Elisha to bless her in some way. The blessing of God may not come every Friday night, but it does come when we continue to do good to others and minister to the Lord's people. 2 Kings chapter 4 verse 8 One day Elisha went to Shuman, and a well-to-do woman was there, who urged him to stay for a meal. So whenever he came by, he stopped there to eat. She said to her husband, I know that this man who often comes our way is a holy man of God. Let's make a small room on the roof and put in it a bed and a table, a chair and a lamp for him. Then he can stay there whenever he comes to us. One day when Elisha came, he went up to his room and lay down there. He said to his servant Gehazi, Call the Shumite. So he called her, and she stood before him. Elisha said to him, Tell her, You have gone to all this trouble for us. Now what can be done for you? Can we speak on your behalf to the king or the commander of the army? She replied, I have a home among my own people. What can be done for her? Elisha asked. Gehazi said, Well, she has no son, and her husband is old. Then Elisha said, Call her. So he called her, and she stood in the doorway. About this time next year, Elisha said, You will hold a son in your arms. No, my lord, she objected. Don't mislead your servant, O man of God. But the Lord became pregnant, and the next year about that same time she gave birth to a son, just as Elisha had told her. It's a spiritual principle that those who have made an impact in our life and have sowed into our lives wonderful spiritual things, we should seek to bless them materially. We cannot put a price on spiritual revelation and the things we have received through the word. Others have had to toil and labor in the word, prayer, and to seek God in order to deliver the fresh bread of revelation, truth that sets the people free. Some may say, well, yeah, they will get the reward when they get to heaven. That's true, but the Lord also said to honor and bless them while they are on earth. We honor the Lord and give to him when we give to the poor. So honoring God by blessing the poor is another principle. By ministering to a person who is experiencing lack or contributing to a ministry that is ministering to the poor, we are honoring the Lord. There are also those among us in our own local church that are hurting and don't have money for groceries. We need to be sensitive to that and minister to the poor. According to the Bible, God takes it personally when we minister to the poor as though we were giving to him. Proverbs 14.31 He who oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker, but whoever is kind to the needy honors God. Proverbs 28.27 He who gives to the poor will lack nothing, but he who closes his eyes to them receives many curses. Proverbs 19.17 He who is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward him for what he has done. James 1.27 Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. When it comes to giving to the needy, we need to be covert and do it privately. It's important that we do it discreetly as unto the Lord. When Jesus told us to give to the poor, Clearly, the intent was to do so in a manner that would not be embarrassing or draw attention to their need so that everyone knows about it and shame them. Obviously, that would not be honoring them. These dear souls are not all out on the streets, but are also sitting around us in church on Sunday morning. We need to be sensitive, and when God speaks, move quickly and quietly. These folks will not always look like they are broke, because a lot of times those who are walking by faith are not going to be singing sad songs, but will be looking as good as they can. Let's not judge by the outward appearance. It's such a wonderful thing to be used by God, to be a blessing to someone in need. If we are open to be used by the Lord, He will supernaturally lead us to them. That blesses everyone to see God working as our provider. Matthew 6 verse 3 Jesus said, But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. 1 Corinthians 11.20 When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper you eat. For as you eat, each of you goes ahead without waiting for anybody else. One remains hungry, another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? 
Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you for this? Certainly not. Proverbs 13.7 One man pretends to be rich, yet has nothing. Another pretends to be poor, yet has great wealth. When the Lord blesses us, we have to use wisdom and not intimidate people and make them feel bad accidentally. For instance, when we get together, avoid dressing to the hilt and make others feel inadequate. That is not walking in love. We need to learn to relate to others and get on their level as we reach out to them. 1 Corinthians 9.19 Though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews I become like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law I become like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those who have the law, I make myself like one having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law, as to win those not having the law. To the weak I became weak, to win the weak. I have become all things to all men, so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel, that may share in its blessings. Please don't forget the connection between fulfilling the Great Commission and money. Here is a confession that we can make in relation to honoring the Lord with our possessions. I will honor the Lord with my substance, with my increase, and with all my stuff. I will honor Him and put His things first and take care of the local church, ministries, and missions. I will honor my mother and father and spiritual leaders, both naturally and spiritually. I will take care of the spiritual gifts around me and remember the poor. As I honor the Lord, He will honor me. I highly encourage you to continue listening to the Word of Life study series podcast and encourage your friends to tune in as well. The scriptures encourage us in Acts chapter 17 verse 11 to receive the message with great eagerness and to examine the scriptures every day in order to confirm the truth that you're hearing. God's word is our final authority for all matters that pertain to life and godliness. I'd like to close this episode by praying over you according to Ephesians chapter 1 verse 17. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparable great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength which he exerted in Christ when God raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule, authority, power, and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in this present age, but also in the one to come. And in chapter 2, verse 6, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Be blessed and see you soon.